Welcome to MLD Wealth, Money Matters, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights on the market and economy. Hosted by Chad Larson, top-ranking portfolio manager at CG Wealth Management and founder of MLD Wealth Management. In this podcast, Chad shares concise, clear and authentic views on the market, helping gain greater clarity on the current state of the investment landscape facing investors. Hey guys, Chad Larson, MLD Wealth. It is November 1st. Uh, Everyone's got a sore tummy from eating too many Halloween candies and and here we are. So November update, Uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, I'm going to kind of go off script a little bit here. This is probably, if I can get past the the nerdy part um, real quickly, hopefully I can entertain everyone with some pictures at the end of this. You know, we've been talking for months about the fall fall. Um, Traded very well through the summer kind of called a lot of things right from positioning strategies, being overweight energy um, and and looking for deep value um, that would align with a more inflationary environment. Um, so our game plan coming out of the fall fall was that we would likely see a year end ramp, um, giving what we called was the extreme whoosh. Um, and what history suggests that, you know, following drops of more than 20% in the S&P through September, that sustainability, that rally ultimately depended on on interest rates. Um, you know, last week uh, we saw a two-year high in the two-year U.S. Treasury, and that yield reminds us that the S&P low is, again, continuing to make a low, not the low. And we've been talking about the market creating, you know, trying to find a bottom, but the bottom would likely be signaled when we saw a change in uh, hawkishness or a change in the speed and cadence of which Federal Reserve Bank and uh, Bank of Canada, et cetera, would continue to raise rates. Uh, we saw last week the Bank of Canada came last Wednesday uh, with a 50 basis point hike. Uh, market was expecting 75. Um, I was kind of published in uh, the paper talking about I was a little disappointed at the start um, right after the announcement. Kind of thought they would nuke the market a little bit, uh, maybe even go 100 basis points and really um, ratchet down the economy and try to get this inflation, uh, you know, thing dealt with so we can get on to uh, making money. Um, that didn't happen, but, you know, I, I think as I stepped back and thought a little more pragmatically uh, about what the Bank of Canada was doing and likely what the Federal Reserves are going to be um, coming out next week with is, you know, you can't academically fix inflation, you know, by textbook um, and, you know, kill the consumer at the same part, um, nor if they go real fast, real sharp, um, and then in instantly start cutting rates. I think all that will do is kind of throw a wet blanket on uh, on the fire of inflation that's burning underneath the economy. Um, and so I think what's going to happen is a little bit of the thesis has changed. Um, I think we're going to see rates um, you know, slow down, but they still go higher, um, but kind of stay, stay flat for a while uh, and then kind of really temper things off and ensure that inflation is dealt with. That being said, we've always talked about, you know, a couple things that were leading into our thesis of being overweight cash, um, being defensively positioned in through the fall. Uh, was that historically September, October are poor times in the marketplace, um, seasonal seasonal weakness, as well as going into a U.S. midterm election, which is next week. Um, typically, and I'll have some charts on that as I have in the last couple of weeks. So as we continue to find a bottom, um, you know, we're looking for the bottom. You know, since 1960, once the S&P 500 has dropped 18%, it's never made the absolute low 
um, again, unless we see a minimum two-week drop uh, in the U.S. Treasury yield. So, you know, a lot more kind of stuff to kind of chime through. Um, I will publish these slides as well. Um, so the real difference between prior bear market lows and now is the Fed's messaging is totally different. So the problem is money and messaging, and our core thesis has always been driven by the availability of money. No matter how many cure-all formulas investors come up with, companies and households cannot spend money they do not have or cannot afford to get. Um, so that's money supply, real liquidity, um, and the equity capital markets remain largely shut down with equity new equity issuance um, just off the weakest level since the great financial crisis. Um, so the Fed has said they're going to clearly uh, signal to ignore the financial market turmoil uh, until inflation abates. Um, so, you know, we got to duck and cover a little bit longer. That being said, I'm getting very excited. Um, you know, I'm probably more frustrated that we get these kind of violent rallies into the bottom because you feel like you missed something and, and deploying money because we do uh, are sitting on a lot of liquidity inside the core portfolio. Um, and I want to get to a point where there's absolute conviction. But just remember, like, it's only with hindsight will a market bottom ever present itself. Um, but I have to believe, and I think it's pretty safe to say that within, you know, an economic cycle, we're somewhere in the U. You know, whether there's a little bit more to come, you know, whether you're, you know, wildly bearish, you think there's another 10, 15%, sure. Um, okay. Um, but you know, it's, it's, you can't, you can't beat down a beaten man that far. You know, it's just, there's been the S and P's down to over 20%, NASDAQ almost 30. Okay. So if it does another 10, so be it. I get it. There's the, the emotional, uh, abatement and kind of despondency to stay invested, but you know, we're professionals and we've been doing this a long time. Um, I'm getting excited uh, about starting to deploy along this U here. Um, so summary, you know, while the above points are typically true in prior cycles, when the markets made the bear market low, the difference now is that the Fed has yet to change its messaging. I, I have seen some, you know, scuttlebutt or, you know, you know, whisper, you know, online, so to speak, that there's, there's some, uh, I think it was JP, I don't know, um, but was, uh, kind of hinting at that maybe Jay Powell, uh, Jerome Powell, uh, or Jay Powell, as the kids call him, uh, is going to come out and uh, be dovish this, you know, next week. You know, if the Fed, you know, does a small 25 basis point hike, um, you could see the market, you know, surge 10%. That would probably make me vomit um, because uh, I would have wanted to have, you know, deployed more capital. Uh, but we do have enough beta exposure on that we'll go for the ride. And as I've explained to many of you many times, you know, we look to construct portfolios that have more upside capture than downside capture. And only during violent periods of market drawdowns has, uh, has this played testament to how we approach uh, overall risk management and portfolio construction. Um, so the Fed pivot typically comes from a significant deterioration in the economic data and or a market event that is perceived as systemic risk. We haven't seen either. Only then will investors be able to look through the coming economic weakness in the first half of 2023. And that's something, you know, I'm reading a lot of this from our, you know, strategist, Tony Dwyer, who's brilliant. Um, the market's going to be, the, the new cycle is going to be, you know, houses prices coming down, you know, in, in some of the overheated markets, job losses are going to surge. There will be a lot of negative media, um, you know, at the, 
at the homeowner, you know, at the kind of the, the middle class working person level. And I'm not um, insensitive to that. I'm I'm having to sit here and talk about what I do for a living and how I allocate capital. Uh, I'm not insensitive to the fact that many people are going to lose their jobs. Home equity values are likely um, going to come, you know, retrace back significantly. It's going to cause a lot of pain. But for what I have to do every day is position, you know, a client capital, my own capital into the marketplace to earn our fair share of market return. That won't bother me. That will be that signaling point where because the market's a forward looking vehicle, the minute we start to see a less hawkish or a decelerated tightening cycle, uh, the markets will start to move. Um, yeah, we've been talking about the U.S. midterm election um, kind of the last few key months overlapping with seasonal weakness. Um, but the next six months have been higher, 18 of the past 18 times. Uh, yes, things have been tough so far this year, uh, but be open to better times. You know, what happened in the rearview mirror doesn't mean it'll happen again. Um, you know, and all the investor caveats aside, um, after kind of the, here comes the best six months of the four-year presidential cycle. So deploying capital here, yes, you might not be at the bottom, but we're finding a bottom. Um, deploying capital here is going to make a lot of sense. Uh, these are great returns. Remember, most of your market re market returns and uh, client and in portfolios, they're made in very big chunks and they're lost in very big chunks. Um, that volatility is what's the difference between an equity investor and someone buying treasuries or GICs. Um, listen, the S and P uh, is still tracking midterm seasonal comps it really well. Um, you know, we're looking at you know five days, ten days, kind of six months, uh, kind of forward uh, seasonal composite returns. Um, but here we are just tracking um, the last kind of 123 years uh, into uh, midterm election years. So uh, everything seems to be on track. Uh, I will talk to about the magic 3900 number later. If not, send me an email on it. Um, we talked about the um, signaling of the Fed and it's that, you know, the bottom will be defined as when the Fed start changes their tune, so to speak. And remember, this is just consensus by a whole bunch of economists and, you know, the economic economics is the dead science apparently, but, you know, listen, if anyone else has been around for the last three years, I think there's a lot of other sciences that are dead. Um, current market expectations for the path of Fed funds rate, November expect expected 75 basis points. December, 50 basis points hikes. Uh, February, a 25 beeps hike, and then a pause. So we're all, we've got, you know, probably the last hike before things start to taper off. So if, if listen, if, if the Fed comes out at 50 this time, not 75, it'll probably accelerate this curve and, and move it. And we'll have to be a little bit more aggressive at, uh, at deploying capital. Um, but we can tell like at this point in the chart is when the market's money starts getting cheaper, um, flows down to the bottom line, corporate earnings gives companies the ability to hire more or stop cutting jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we're at near the end of this, which is great. So this is going to be a bullish update. Um, current bear market is average in duration. You know, we're 284 days into this, but it's a bit shallow in its drawdown, um, you know, comparatively to, you know, um, this is going back to 1929. Um, you know, the median and the average, you know, over a certain, you know, uh, such a lengthy period of time, uh, near a hundred years now, uh, has kind of the median drawdown being 33%. Um, and the kind of median uh, duration of a bear market, 250 days. So we're longer in duration, you know, we're kind of at the median, we're right in par with the average. 
a little bit more shallow. So, you know, some people are like, oh, we want to squeak out. We want to wait till the market cracks another 10%. Okay, um, maybe, but you might miss it too. Um, so we're starting to deploy uh, along the path here. Uh, we might not catch the bottom, but we're definitely bouncing along it. Uh, the opportunity, uh, this is crazy uh, at some point. Um, you know, treasuries are so oversold that there's no historical context in the last 47 years to compare what is happening. Eventually, we will probably see a big rally in U.S. sovereign duration. But from what price level is anyone's guess at this point? Basically, like the 30-year treasury has been murdered so bad, uh, you got to, at some point, we'll be buying um you know, U.S. Uh, U.S. Treasuries, the yield curve has been so uh, so inverted, and they, they've performed so poorly uh, that there might be a, a big opportunity there. And I remember that kind of during uh, you know during the kind of early pandemic part, is you could hide in thirty-year Treasuries because there was that flight to quality. I don't necessarily think there's a flight to quality, and we have to battle the dollar index, which has gone you know top right this year, um, which would become an actual headwind for corporate earnings. But that being said. Uh, it's just pretty wild to see how poor treasuries have done. Uh, another bullish sentiment. This is the 3,900 level. So I can't really zoom in here, but this you know, was published October 21st, about 10 days ago. Um, so a lot of nerdy stuff, positive RSI divergence on the weekly S&P. So the weekly S&P made a new low while weekly RSI made a new high. This is positive divergence has historically preceded meaningful S&P reversals. So basically down, rocket ship, down, rocket ship, down. Do we get a rocket ship? I'll tell you right now, the S&P is, I can look here right now, 3855. 3900 is this magic level. It was a magic level that had been holding in really well that broke and broke again. So what looked to be support um, that we broke a while ago is now looking like resistance. And, you know, if you're a tea leaf reader, if you're technical, uh, and I'm not teasing technical uh, you know, people, I think the blend of all styles, you know, fundamentals, technicals, bottom up, RSI, momentum, they all make sense in, you know, in, in fact, confirming an, uh, an investment thesis. Um, but that's going to be a pretty interesting number. You know, 3,900 is probably going to be uh, included somewhere in my password scheme for the next couple of years. Because, you know, if we keep banking our heads against it, you know, it's lower for longer. And we probably got a little, we're going to get that 10% down that uh, we're all waiting for. But if we crack through that 3,900, it's probably going top right pretty effectively. And I do think it'll be Jay Powell's uh, announcement next week that that signals that. So, um, 3,900. We'll talk about it next month. Uh, another positive uh, thing, you know, be it, these are negative, <laughs> these are negative charts, but you know, when people panic and, you know, start jumping out uh, and throwing the baby out with the bathwater and all the proverbial things that are probably politically incorrect at this point, but um, you know, margin debt is off the record high set last year and the speed of the deleveraging suggests absolute excessive investor pessimism. Reversals from these extremes, which we have not seen yet, have been followed by above average gains 18 months later. Again, a, a positive data point that reconfirming um, that we're probably through the worst of this year. 
something to watch. Um, you know, listen, we've seen a you know, large flight to quality and been able to pick away uh, and not have to play in some of these you know, wildly valued hyper growth companies. This is more David than Goliath um, investing uh, because there's a lot of incredible companies that don't get the fanfare. But don't forget small caps. Um, they have a place in, in investor portfolios. Small caps have outperformed large caps coming out of recession six of the last six times. And that's all that data that we have on an average by an additional 14% through the trough. So yes, it's far easier, far more liquid, far more pragmatic um, to be kind of shopping in the value bin, you know, things that are on sale. That being said, um, you know, we'll continue to uh, recommend a component of exposure to small caps because they're, there's there's absolutely no price discovery. There's so much tax loss, rotational trading that we have to do here. We've paid a lot of tax in the last couple of years. Any investor um, has to be selling things they're down on. So um, that uh, that's the case. And listen, small caps are cheap in, in times when valuations really matter relative to the S&P. The Russell 2000 is trading as low as it did in the post-dot-com bubble. Um, Another positive, uh, Bank of America's latest survey of consumer expectations said investors are screaming capitulation. I love that word, um, with cash levels of 6.3%, the highest since April of 01. These are broad measurements of the entire U.S. kind of investor base. And investors, three standard deviations under underweight equities. This report also showed global growth expectations of minus 72% near record lows, while investors have started to uh, increasingly expect monetary policy capitulation, with the most investors since November of 08 expecting lower bond yields over the next four quarters. Um, this reflects significantly depressed positioning on sentiment. Uh, Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson, who's one of the most bearish strategies, said this week he sees a short-term technical rally after the market tested that 200-week average. And J.P. Morgan's survey this week also showed equity exposure at a record low. Um, so listen, anytime people are caught off guard and they're not owning equities, things tend to surge on the back of that. Um, that's all I have for you guys today. Uh, again, if there's any questions or comments, um, you know, feel free to give myself or any member of MLD a call. Um, have a wonderful uh, have a wonderful month and we will talk all soon take care the comments expressed in this podcast are the results of work done by MLD Wealth Management they may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity Corp and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord Genuity Corp beliefs opinions or recommendations all views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice and under no circumstances should be construed as solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or general needs of any particular person, organization, or institution. Please do not hesitate to contact us should you want to know more about the information contained in this video or have any related questions. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management in Canada is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp. Member, Canadian Investor Protection Fund, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.